Good morning and welcome to the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. We are a spiritual community dedicated to the free search for truth and meaning, and we're very glad you're here. We come from a long heritage of teaching that there is a spark of the divine in every person. And it is in the spirit of that heritage that I ask you to greet the holy in our midst by turning to the person to your right and left, welcoming them here this morning. Let us say together the words by which we light our chalice. In the light of truth and the warmth of love, we gather to seek, to find, and to share. The author for today's call to worship is the Chinese philosopher Su Su. Sincerity is the fulfillment of our own nature. And to arrive at it, we need only follow our own true self. Sincerity is the beginning and the end of existence. Without it, nothing can endure. Therefore, the mature person values sincerity above all things. People ask, you have all kinds of people in your congregation. How do you preach to them all? There are Unitarian Universalists, but they've got their roots, some of them in Unitarian Universalism, but some of them in Christianity or Judaism or Buddhism or Mormonism or humanism or earth-based religions, Hinduism. What keeps you all together? And there are many answers to that. One of them is what keeps this congregation pulling in the same direction as our mission, and we say it together every Sunday. We gather in community to nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice. So by the end of this day, hope you find somebody whose soul you can nourish. The author for our meditation reading this morning is the Zen Buddhist monk Ryokan. Keep your heart clear and transparent, and you will never be bound. A single disturbed thought creates 10,000 distractions. Now is the time in the service when we breathe together. into that place in our heart where we are, who we are. The rush and noise of getting here, our worries, not a single disturbed thought, but hundreds. Breathe into that place until you find the stillness. We hear small noises of life, small children noises. It is quiet enough. It is in this place that we gather our strength, 
that we grasp clarity intermittently. That we become sturdy enough to be good companions to those who are suffering and those who are joyful. Let us enter the silence together. You're invited to continue meditating or to light candles of joy or sorrow, remembrance, hope. Let us continue our meditation with the Buddhist metta meditation. We say this through three times. I'll say a line and you say it after me, should you choose to. The first time through, we say this for ourselves. May I be free from danger. May I be mentally happy. May I be physically happy. May I have ease of well-being. The second time, we say it for someone we love. May you be free from danger. May you be mentally happy. May you be physically happy. May you have ease of well-being. The third time as a spiritual exercise, we say it for someone against whom we have a resentment. May you be free from danger. May you be mentally happy. May you be physically happy. May you have ease of well-being. May it be so. There was a little girl, maybe eight or nine years old. We used to go up to my... My Uncle David's farm, which was called Roaring River, was near Dannel's Pass, North Carolina, up in the mountains. And he had a Jeep, famous Jeep. He had it for years. Um, Uncle David was a family practice physician. He treated a lot of people for free, but he um, he had enough money that he could have had a nice car, but he drove this Jeep instead. And um, just parenthetically, one time he was driving with my Uncle Bull. His real name was Bill, but that's another story. And... Um, it started to fill up with smoke, and, and Bull, who was a Presbyterian minister, said, David, I, I believe there's uh, something, on, something smoking in here. David was like, I don't see anything. <laughs> oh. And um, two or three times this happened, and finally a carload of college kids passed him, and somebody leaned way out the window and said, you're on fire, <laughs> which finally made David pull over. He was the kind of doctor you'd go, I have poison ivy, Uncle David. And he'd go, just put some white shoe polish on it. (laughs) So I I spent my childhood covered in white shoe polish. I don't know why. Anyway, this day, I remember because he reprimanded me sternly. And he was never stern. He was the second to youngest of 13 kids. So he was always in trouble when he was a little kid. And um, really never... Nothing we did ever bothered him, but I was in the back seat and something happened and I went, gah, which is a Southern little kid word. I don't even know how to spell it. 
But it was instead of saying golly, which I knew was forbidden because golly was a way of not using the name, the name of the Lord in vain. Like it was an, an, a way of not saying, oh, my God, which so it was almost as bad. And uh, I got yelled at for saying, ah, <clears throat> which brings us to the third commandment of our series. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. The original Hebrew says, Lo tisa es shayim adoshem l'shav. And the key word is tisa, which doesn't really mean take the Lord's name in vain, like take something. It means to carry. So it says don't carry the Lord's name for frivolous um, purposes. And Carry, not just carry, but hold high like a banner. So, like, don't fly the flag of God's name. Don't, don't march under the banner of God's name for a useless, worthless purpose. That's what this commandment is saying. And it's the only one of the commandments tagged at the end with this extra threat of um, the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless, i.e., well, literally, the Lord will not cleanse anyone who takes his name in vain. So I think, even though I'm not a Christian anymore, I look at the Christian scriptures that I spent my childhood steeped in and that I spent three years at Princeton Seminary learning, which is why you have to hear about it. Um, I, I look at those scriptures and I think, really, the bottom line of all of that religion is God is love. That's the bottom line. And so I look at the Jewish scriptures and the Christian scriptures through that lens, and anything that doesn't make sense sat next to that, uh, I think I must be misunderstanding. People must be misunderstanding. And so when they say um, that taking the name of the Lord in vain is like cussing, Saying, you know, I had this lovely um, uh, roommate from Sri Lanka on a long trip I took when I was 29 years old. We spent two months in the same hotel room. Not the same one, but uh, all over the world, traveling together. Um, she, she would always say, she could swear like a sailor, and I will not give you a demonstration. But she had the most beautiful British accent, and so all her swear words sounded elegant. But um, <laughs> one day... One day she just said, oh, Jesus Christ, they're trying to kill us. And um, because we had to get up at six to get on a bus or something. (laughs) And I said, Mangalam, that is uh, uh, the name of someone that I hold sacred and holy, and I would rather you not use his name as a cuss word. And she said, oh, okay, sure, that's fine. And um, later on, she was telling me about her mother who said, oh, I must have been a very bad person in a former life to have a daughter like you in this one. And I said, holy cow. (laughs) She gave me a talking to. So anyway, I can't believe that breaking the third commandment means cussing because that would, you know, God will cleanse everything else. Thou shalt not kill, it says. The Lord will not hold him guiltless who kills. No, thou shalt, no, it doesn't say that. So apparently you can get cleansed for everything, but cussing, that does not make any sense. That does not make any sense. 
that all the children who go, oh my God, what an ugly dog, or oh my God, this house looks so beautiful, you know, and all the reveal shows on Home and Garden TV, everybody just walks through the the rooms after, you know, little kids, big kids, adults, they're always like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Those people are not all condemned, you know, that's crazy. Plus, we don't believe in hell, by the way, so um, makes makes reading the scriptures much more relaxing. Ancient Jews avoided saying the name of God altogether. Modern day Jews as well. They used four letters, Yod, Hey, Vav, Hey, for the name of God. It's called the Tetragrammaton because there are four letters, Yod, Hey, Vav, Hey, with no vowels. And the four letters are called the, the uh, instead of making the sounds of the letters, um, uh, you read Adonai, which means the Lord, or you just say Hashem, which just means the name. Okay, so when you're talking about God, you just say the Lord or you say the name. And now this is something that you probably didn't know. Later Christian scholars took the vowels from the name Adonai, the Lord, and put them underneath the Tetragrammaton, the yod heh vav heh and that's how they got Jehovah. So that's what Christians have called God, uh, one of the names of God, Jehovah, for a long time. Okay, but when Moses was talking to the burning bush, so the bush is burning, God is in the bush talking to Moses, and Moses says, what's your name? The Bible I grew up with says, I am who I am, or I am that I am, some of the translations say, but really it's more uh, accurate to say, I will be who I will be. So the name of God is I will be who I will be. And I've heard some preachers say, this proves that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I'm thinking, no, it doesn't. Um, If I said to you, what's your name? And you said, I will be what I will be. I would not think you were saying, and I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. (laughs) It's just a a way of seeing in there what you already think. Which, by the way, everybody does with whatever scripture they're using. Um, Doesn't matter what religion you are. You see what you want to see. And I'm thinking that means God is changing, but maybe I'm just seeing what I want to see, that God always changes. But I think that there's um, some evidence to that, uh, to to support that in that same story, because um, in the wandering in the wilderness, God goes before the people um, in the shape of a, a pillar of smoke and a pillar of fire, smoke during the day, fire during the night. So you could see, right? And I'm thinking, what two things are more changing than that? I mean, God didn't like lope ahead of the people as a cheetah. God didn't fly ahead of the people as a dragonfly, even though those things change too. God chose the two in the story, in the faith story, God chose the two um, forms that are so changeable that you can't, even when you're right up on them, you can't grasp them. You, you, you can see shapes and forms in the flames and the smoke, but you can't grab fire and you can't grab smoke. So it, that seems to argue for God or whatever concept we're talking about when we use that syllable, um, is a constantly changing 
being in some ways. And then Moses asks to see God up on the mountain, and he's allowed to. I don't know if you had this story in Sunday school or not, or if you ever went to Sunday school, but he's allowed to see God, but only from the back. God passes by, and Moses can see him as God passes by. So in a way, we only get to see where God has been, which I kind of like. You don't get to see where God is going or even where God is. So anybody who says, God thinks this about that is just ridiculous. And anybody who says, God has a wonderful plan for your life is not, does, they don't know. Or God loves this or God hates that. Please, all you can do is see where God has been. And so if you're in a conversation with somebody who says that to you, God told me to tell you blah, 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 or God doesn't like it when people, you can just say, we don't know. Or if you want to start a fight, you can just say, you don't know. (laughs) Such a tiny little difference. And... God isn't, taking the name of God in vain is so crazy when you think of it as as maybe cussing is taking the name of the God in vain. I I know I'm jumping up and down on this too much, but it was a traumatic event in my childhood. And um, I think that's not even God's name, God. God has so many names in different languages. Dios, Dio, Zeus, Allah. God has so many different names. Ganesh. You know, Yamaya, Nana, there are so many different ways. I mean, and if I had sat in the back of that uh, Jeep and gone, oh, Yamaya, he wouldn't have had a problem at all. <laughs> and I told you last time I talked about this, that Lao Tse, who wrote the, the um, Tao Te Ching, the Tao that can be named is not the Tao. And the nameless is the origin of heaven and earth, while naming is the origin of the myriad things. So the nameless is at the root of everything. And then once you start naming, you start separating. And you enter into the illusion that that there is separateness. So, it's not really clear what misusing the name means. You'd think that with a commandment with such a heavy threat behind it, they would lay it out for you. But no. I'm really sure it's not cussing, but what is it that's worse than stealing or killing? There are a lot of wonderful, good-hearted, kind, sincere people who use the name of God all the time. I have no problem with that. They say, God bless you. They say, God laid it on my heart to talk to you about this. Or God wanted me to do that. And God this or God that people, that is fine. To me, there are those who use it thoughtlessly. Um, And then there are those who use it for power or greed. That, I think, is breaking the third commandment. That. Holding up the banner of the name of God cynically when all you want is for people to send you money or vote for you. That is breaking the third commandment. So when you have a person who really couldn't care less about any religion, name one, and they go, God bless America, at the end of all their speeches, that is breaking the third commandment. 
when you have somebody who sits on the Christian Broadcasting Network and says Hurricane Sandy happened to New York City because of all the women having abortions, the feminists, and the gay people, that is breaking the third commandment. When you have them say that Katrina hit New Orleans and Rita hit Houston because of the homosexuals and feminists, come on. It looks to me like God was targeting the oil industry. But I don't believe that, so. And then there's the Phelps family, as you know, who pickets the funerals of soldiers. And their signs say, you know, God hates this. God loves death. God laughs at when America dies. It's just craziness. And they're under the banner of the name of God. And it bothers people because it's wicked. And then there are the people who, like Ted Haggard, I think was his name several years ago, um, out of Colorado Springs where uh, a lot of these people hang out. And um, he was head of the American Evangelical Association, representing 30 million people, always under the banner of God talking about homosexuality. And then he gets accused by a gay escort of hiring him once a month and buying crystal meth so that they could get high together. And then Ted Haggard says, oh, I was just uh, hiring him to carry my luggage and we threw the drugs away. <laughs> that is breaking the third commandment, not the escort or the drugs, but making people feel shame in the name of God. Robert Tilton, one of our members, took his deposition when he got arrested. Um, Tilton Ministries in Texas used to say, you know, um, send us your money. God wants you to be rich. Um, that was the title of my sermon, God Wants You to Be Rich. And I put Jesus on the front of the bulletin with his head in his hand like this. Um, <laughs> God wants you to be rich. And so if you send money to me, God will bless you and make your seed money grow. And... Um, Send us money and we'll pray for you. And um, one, this outfit called the Trinity Foundation that goes after uh, evangelists, they got undercover in his mailroom and they each got a letter opener and a pile of envelopes and they would just slit open the envelopes and take the money out and throw the rest away. And all the letters of people pouring out their heart to this person they believed would pray for them, uh, all they did was get thrown away get their money taken. They said they took in $1,000 an hour in that place. That is breaking the third commandment. Reverend Ewing's church by mail. Now, he was not a big operator, but he was an interesting operator. And um, some of you know that my hobby is to collect uh, fringy religious stuff. Anyway, I got on his mailing list because he sent uh, direct mailings to the poorest zip codes in the United States, and South Carolina was among those. So I got... um, the letter to send a seed gift, and then they would send me a prayer rug that would change my life. So I thought, cool. And I, <laughs> I sent a dollar, and they sent me this paper prayer rug with, it looked like the face from the Shroud of Turin um, printed on it, only the eyes were kind of fuzzy. And you were supposed to kneel and pray until Jesus' eyes opened and looked at you. 
And then they sent me, they sent a bunch of stuff. Like every two months they would send me something. My favorite thing, though, was the prayer cap. And the prayer cap, had it had um, Mr. Ewing's handprint on it. And you were supposed to put it on your head, and then it would be like his hand was on your head praying for you. But it was this um, transparent shower cap with a, with a great big red handprint on it. And it was so awful. Um, I kept it for many years and then gave it to a friend of mine in the hospital. Just to entertain the nurses. So anyone who makes money making people feel guilty or ashamed, Ewing got too wicked for me. I had to get off his mailing list because he would say things like, you know that big bill you've hidden away to save, to pay the rent? Send that to me. It was just awful. So that is... um, uh, Pretty, still a pretty thriving element in some religions is the prosperity gospel, that God wants you to be rich. Um, God, I went on Joel Osteen's site. I'm sure, he, I'm sure he's a very sweet fella. Um, and he has this, which he could be right. I don't know. It has this, you know, don't settle for beans and rice. God wants you to have steak. And I'm thinking, okay, I just... Uh, Anyway, that's the prosperity gospel, and um, that, that God wants you to be rich, and it's part of American civil religion which says God blesses you with prosperity. This is the Puritan. Um, so it, how do you tell who's blessed and who's not blessed? You tell by how much money and health they have. So if you're poor and sick, you are not blessed. By God, there must be something wrong with you. And this is underlying American culture, and it's why some people don't want people to have health insurance, because you've got to have the poor and the sick, just so you can know who's blessed and who's not blessed. And you can pray to be blessed, which means rich and healthy in America. Nobody ever really says it out loud, although every now and then the Daily Show people will get somebody to say it out loud um, that doesn't kind of realize what they're saying. Okay. All right. So all of that is not about you and not about me. So let's talk about you and me for a while. Do we march under a false banner sometimes? Do we betray our Unitarian Universalist values sometimes, our principles sometimes? Do we say our principles and then we forget to do them at home? Or it's just too hard to affirm the worth and dignity of every person beginning in our homes and congregations. We'd rather do it out there. We'd rather work for justice, peace, and liberty for everyone out there. But justice, peace, and liberty in the home Those three things are mutually exclusive. And um, when you have children, if you're going to have justice, you're going to have to mm, have some deep talks about how you're disappointed, which is our current way of knocking heads together. We don't knock heads together anymore, but we do sit down and say, why did you do that? Tell me what you were thinking. It's how my dad raised me, bless his heart. I never got spanked, but I would have rather gotten spanked. I think, not bad, just a little, 
but uh, those disappointment talks were, oof, those were rough. So um, we do fail our religious principles sometimes. We are sometimes short when we should be kind. We sometimes take the easy way out rather than doing things the right way. We sometimes think we know who God would bomb, what Jesus would drive. Sometimes we think we know uh, how sinful not recycling is. We can get pretty judgmental about, um, we can get pretty angry and want to throttle people who aren't for peace. We can sometimes denigrate one another. We can sometimes ignore the stranger in our midst because it's just more comfortable to talk to people we already know and we're shy. We don't have energy for a conversation that day. We just dragged ourselves in here like we were washed up on the shore after a shipwreck. I understand. And it's okay because nobody goes to hell. So... You can make a mistake. It's all right. You can make three mistakes a day and more if you need to. (laughs) There's good religion and bad religion. There's good people and bad people. But most religion is mixed and most people are mixed. Some elements of every religion are toxic and some are life-giving. And so it just behooves us to clean up our own backyards, uh, to watch our own spirits, to take the log out of our own eye before we mess with the speck in somebody else's eye, just to try to be good people and to try to improve ourselves, I would say, every other day. Because trying to improve yourself every day is just exhausting. So every other day. And then every other day is just a party. (laughs) Nobody knows what God thinks. Nobody can name God. Nobody can grasp God. We are all wrong about God. Even those of us who don't believe in God are wrong about the God we don't believe in. And so... Let's just notice hypocrisy whenever it happens and go, ooh, third commandment. Um, But let's notice it in ourselves before we notice it in anyone else. Please say the words with me uh, by which we extinguish our chalice. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts until we are together again. The lone wild bird in lofty flight is still with thee, nor leaves thy sight. And I am thine, I rest in thee. Great Spirit, come and rest in me. Go in peace. This is a presentation of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, visit our website at www.austinuu.org.